Welcome to the Successful Athletes Podcast presented by Trainer Road, where we interview successful athletes to make you a faster cyclist, or this week a triathlete. And he's probably going to make you a faster cyclist too. Uh, we're talking to Matt Nussbaum out of Boston, Massachusetts. How's it going, Matt? Doing great. How are you, Jonathan? Yeah, doing well. Excited to do this with you. Uh, you've qualified for Kona. Uh, what? Let's just talk about what race was it and what was your time? And if you know the splits, that would be ideal. Oh, of course I know those. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was uh, Ironman Wisconsin in September. So I think it was September 13th. Uh, finished in 951.31, um, which was good for fourth in my age group and 12th place overall. Nice. Did those, yeah, I was pretty blown away with how I did. Uh, I did the swim in 54.45-ish. Uh, nice the bike in five Oh four. And then the run was right around three forty-five. Wow. So pretty fast swim. I don't know much about the swim at Ironman Wisconsin, but how did that go? Yeah. So that like, I'm pretty good in the swim, even though I've never competed when I was younger, I just like swam around in the pool a lot, which kind of helped out. Um, so I have like a good feel for the water. Um, but it was the first year they did a two loop course. Usually that one's the one known for like one big long loop that goes around. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the two loop swim, to be honest. So you're, <laughs> you go around, uh, they do the rolling start. So you kind of seed yourself. So I seeded myself near the front, knowing that I'd go sub hour. Uh, I think I was shooting for 56 or 57 minutes. Um, so you go around one loop and then you come around the corner and they're still getting people in the water. So then oh, you get to gosh. swim through the entire field, which isn't super fun to be doing. And then also kind of makes everyone else kind of mad. Uh, yeah. You're kind of going over all the bodies, um, but you lose all sense of pacing. So you're just like swimming, trying to keep yourself collected, just making it through. Um, came out of the water and like heard them say my name, say like sixth place. And I was like, what? That doesn't make any sense. And then I like looked at my watch and saw 54 or something. I was like, oh, I crushed that. Okay. Wow. Uh, yeah. That's a seriously, for those that don't know, that's a very impressive time on the swim. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that was like six. Yeah. It was the sixth place overall swim split on the day, which incredible. So <laughs> I was pretty stoked on that. Yeah. Um, Were you tired after that? Was it because of the, like a crazy pace or you just executed well? I think I just executed well. Uh, like the wetsuit I use, I really like a lot. It's like a blue 71 can't speak higher of that company. Um, but like that, the wetsuit helps a lot, keep you buoyant and make you go a little bit faster. So if you're used to swimming in it, that helps a whole lot. Um, it was kind of hard to pace the swim because the first leg going out was downwind and then you were swimming into the wind coming back. Um, mm. so call it like a one ten per hundred split going out and then just like one twenty five or something coming back. So like, you know, you're wow. going way, way slower. Um, but you just kind of stay within yourself and have to keep pacing it. Um, between the, the trainer road plans and a lot of really long swims, like I'm, I'm used to swimming. I can do that all day. Uh, really, really helps. I don't get too tired in that part. I think just being comfortable in the water is a huge part of it. Like if you're panicking, then you're just going to overtire yourself during the oh, yeah. first hour and a half or so of the race for most people. 
yeah, I know from experience, not from doing one of those races, but that yes, indeed you, you tire yourself out real fast. Um, is there, so you get onto the bike after that, uh, you didn't feel particularly fatigued. It wasn't like you swam extremely hard to get that PR instead you were in a good place. So how did you pace the bike? It's uh, from what I recall, it's a hilly course. Is it not? Uh, I call it more rolling with some like rolling. punches. Like yeah. it, it's not super hilly. There are some hills and it kicks up to, I think 10% or in a couple spots, but it's not for more than like 30 seconds or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can, you can ride it, you can stay within yourself and you can really ride it. Well, I use best bike split again, listening yes. to the podcast, just do everything I can science wise to set myself up for success. Um, so I set up in best bikes, but I got an idea of like what I should cap at, um, what kind of IF I should be going for that kind of stuff. Um, but then you just have to execute it. I was feeling good coming out of the water. Like I got to transition, looked around and all of the bikes were still there. So I was like, all right, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Let's just get out there and see what happens. Um, there's also tons of resources. So I watched, I think the tri dot or somebody did a, a course recon and they were talking about how that course is set up. So it's a two loop lollipop course. So there's like the stick to get out to the loop, um, which is primarily uphill. Um, so you kind of want to stay within yourself on that. And then once you get to the loop, do the first one kind of slower. And then the second one, you can push the effort a little bit. And then on the way home, ease off the gas and try to get the rest of your nutrition down. Um, I was out there and just nobody was around to pace off, pace off of, which was kind of cool. And like, you're just taking in rural Wisconsin, seeing all the cows and stuff, trying to entertain yourself. I was like mooing at the cows, just like <laughs> trying to stay sane on the bike, just keep eating, uh, drinking. Um, I passed, I think two people. Um, and then after the second one, the there was a sheriff on a motorcycle that started following me because I guess I was in second place at that point. Uh, wow! Yeah, so that was second second place overall out of anybody in the Ironman. Um, and then I think a little bit later, like a Everyman Jack guy flew by me, like I wasn't even moving, which is like something you kind of expect. They're so <laughs> Those fast. guys are they're so so fast. Um, so he passed me and then I was just like by myself again for a while. Um, mm. then you come back into the second loop and the way they did it, they put the half Ironman and full Ironman in the same day. Whoa. So you're riding into not only the kind of middle or back of the Ironman pack, but also into somewhere of the half Ironman pack too. So it was just like a ton of people that I had to just start passing as quickly and safely as I could. Uh, yeah. Did you have to ease up at times and kind of go off your pacing plan or go over your pacing plan just to make passes? Cause they're drafting rules in place. So you can't get too close to them and it's complex. It, it is very complex. Uh, it's kind of hard to do. Um, I found just like the way I like riding, I tend to just punch on the punchy parts of the hill. Like I trainer road has made me just so repeatable that if I go over threshold for 30 seconds or so, it's not going to take a ton out of me. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's not going to set me up too poorly for the end of the day. (laughs) Um, so I, I did as much passing as I could on the Hill where most people were just slowing down, uh, try to do that just cause you could sit upright. You can 
do a lot of other things to try to make that pass a little easier on yourself than if you're full arrow and you're like hammering it, trying to catch someone who is also doing the same because they don't want you to pass, even though they're supposed to let you go. Um, but also <laughs> I was going along yelling things like second loop, like coming up on your left. Mm-hmm. Cause you're, I was going probably 22, 23 miles an hour and everybody I was passing was 16, 17, 18. So it, it's pretty clear that it's just like a different race going on at that point, which is nice that other people like recognize that and let you go. Um, and then after a bit, of riding through that pack, the police officers actually found me again and were like, Hey, are you Matt Nussbaum? And I was like, yeah. Yeah. And they're like, all right, we think you're in second place. So we're going to follow you now. I was like, what? Okay. Um, wow. So I'm riding along with the police escort again, like through the pack, which made it really hard to stick to the pacing plan. Cause you're just like so stoked to be there. Just yeah. like having the full pro treatment. Um, so yeah, I was just like riding along. I went, I think a bit over what I was supposed to do, but not bad enough to really cause any damage. Um, and then on that, the when I finished the second loop, I took it as easy as I could on the way home, just like knowing I'm I'm gonna have to run a marathon now. And I'm not, not that strong of a runner. So I need to uh, collect myself, get some nutrition down. Yeah. So looking at your splits, I would say that you, uh, and like you said, the swim was surprisingly fast for you, but just looking at the numbers, I would say really good swimmer, uh, also good cyclist. And then the running is the weakest part. So what was your plan on execution on the run in terms of pace? Yeah, pretty, pretty much get through it. Uh, mm. I think I had a pace goal. I don't even remember what it was anymore. Like maybe seven thirty, seven forty per mile. Um, but I went into it knowing I'm going to walk every aid station, just get water down, get food down, just like keep on top of that so that I can run outside of all of them. Um, but man, running is hard. I I don't (laughs) like running. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so I, I went through that. I think the first, it's a two, two loop course. Uh, so the first one went pretty okay. And then I started getting like some cramping in my midsection and that made me walk a little bit, trying to just like massage it out, like just jamming my rub, my thumb between my ribs, just (laughs) trying to get the cramp to to go away. (laughs) Yeah. Um, that eventually cleared up and then things were going pretty well again. And then I like felt a blister form on some of my toes, which not super fun. Um, I think that was probably mile 18 that it got really painful, but I just like kept running through it, running through it. Just like putting it into the back of your mind. You've been going for what, eight and a half, nine hours at that point. Like I'm not going to quit now. Just got what yeah. an hour left to go. I can do this. Um, and I think mile 22, the blister, uh, fixed itself. Um, I, did, I was afraid to look down to see what it looked like, but it stopped hurting. And I, had maybe 5k to go. So I was just like, all right, I can do this again. And then just started picking up the pace for that last little bit. Um, getting back into the capital and like the crowds are starting to come out to cheer everybody on. It was just such a cool feeling running through town with like all kinds of random people <laughs> screaming your name. Cause they kind of knew who you were. Um, and then you like know the landmarks at that point too, just being a two loop course. So like you see the Capitol building 
you come around that last corner and then there's the finish line. So it's like, Oh my God, I made it. Like, I don't even remember. It's like when you're driving a long distance and like, you're like present and you know what's going on. But if you think back, it's like, I don't remember anything that just happened, but like you made it. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. You just kind of blacked out, made your way through it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Just try to avoid thinking the words, this sucks. Like never think those. (laughs) Yeah. So you qualify for Kona for which those that don't know, that's Ironman world championship. So you have to rank within your age group at, at an event to be able to qualify for that. They do have some lottery lottery slot winners. And I think they have some like executive slots that they give away, but by and large, it's all people that have earned their way into that world championship field. Are you going to do St. George or are you going to going to go to Kona? No, the, the slot I got was for Kona. If it, cool. if it wasn't that, I might've thought twice about it. Yeah. Uh, well, I didn't, so I didn't actually get the slot at Wisconsin, which was the crazy part. They opened oh. up more, I guess a month ago now. Um, they, at the race, it was like 24 slots total. It was like one per age group, I think. Um, so I think it rolled, it made it to second place in the 30 to 34, which is what I'm in. Um, wow. and then a few weeks later, I like saw something that they're going to be emailing the additional slots out cause they upped it to 45. Um, so I was just like feverishly checking my email every day. And then eventually I, got it. I was like, Oh my God, I'm in. Oh yeah. That's amazing. Uh, I want to talk more about your now, like all you've done to train to get to this point, because qualifying for Kona going sub 10 is really tough. So, uh, but first had you, how many Ironmans had you done? Had you done prior to Ironman Wisconsin? This, this was the first one. Number one. Had you Number done a half one, or anything one, else before that? Yeah. So I've done a handful of half Ironmans. Um, I think two or no, three Ironman branded ones. Um, and then a couple smaller local ones. Cool. So those, those are hard, but you can like go hard, but you can still make some mistakes, but with the full distance Ironman, just there, there's very little room for error. Everything you do adds up by the end of that day. Yeah, no doubt. So how did you get into triathlon then? Uh, and how long ago was that? And did you start with shorter distances even than the half? Yeah. So I, to like step back a little further than that. Mm-hmm. Like I grew up pretty, pretty unathletic. Like I avoided sports at all costs. Mm-hmm. Um, then when I was in college, I started like running for fun a little bit. I'd go for like a two mile loop every so often. Um, I picked up running more and more and started doing like five Ks, 10 Ks, and I think a half marathon. And then when I like right before my 25th birthday, I was like, I want to try a triathlon. So I signed up for a sprint. And that was, uh, June of 2016. And I don't even remember how I did, but I had a blast doing it. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to do this now. Like this, <laughs> this is my life now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Took you over. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that, yeah. So I started with a sprint and then I did another sprint later that summer. Um, and then the following year I decided it was a good idea to sign up for a local, uh, half Ironman distance race. It was like a, a really great small race. Um, I think five or 600 people, like really, really wow. great to do as a first one. Um, and then <laughs> I think like a month before that, I was like, oh, I should probably do an Olympic before I do this. So I like signed up for one of those like two weeks before it. Um, but I trained for it like, like 
pretty much the the way everybody says is wrong. It's just like <laughs> I can do all of the distances. I rode up and down the the Minuteman bike trail like four or five times to cover 60 miles and then like went for a run. I was like that somebody said the word brick. I think that's what this is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do. Um and then I picked up Trainer Road the following year and got I did that same race again. I think I did 40 minutes or something faster. So I went wow. from like five and a half hours to 440. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. you're, st- you're starting FTP. We don't know since you had a smart trainer that you, that we think read, read low, and then you ended up going over to power meter pedals. And then from there, now you've gotten to the point where you're at. So over the space of 2017 to 2021, if I'm correct here, you went from 250 to 300 and roughly 340 watt FTP. Um, that's a huge improvement. 90 Watts, (laughs) like a huge improvement that puts you roughly now somewhere around 4.7 Watts per kilogram. So, uh, let's talk about that. Uh, first of all, you've, uh, in the letter that you sent in, you followed trainer road plans for the majority of that time, uh, whether it was half distance plans or full in this case. And you had your site set on Ironman Wisconsin, but then it was delayed. So then you focused on the bike specifically for a while. I assume that's when you bumped all the way up to 340. And then now doing triathlon again for Ironman Wisconsin, you've settled in around that 335 point. But mm-hmm. uh, so let's the, the training side of things. When do you train? Uh, how do you fuel your work? And you follow the plans. So in that case, we can talk more about the adjustments that you make to the plans. But let's just start with when you train during the day and during the week? Yeah. So I usually train like very pretty early morning. Like I tend to get up like five 30 ish, um, and then get to whatever the first workout is. i follow the high volume plan. So just about every day is a double day. Um, mm-hmm. so then I'll do the second one right around five when I stop working and then I'll eat dinner and wind down and everything, go to bed. Um, and then on the weekends, it's just, get up and do the same thing, but that's when the long stuff is. So like try to get up early ish, but also get your sleep, get a meal in before you go sit on the trainer for five or six hours or whatever, whatever's planned for that day. Um, feeding, I, uh, pretty much followed your guys's advice. I've been, I started off like 60 grams an hour of carbs or something, and then worked my way up to, I think 120 at the peak. Um, mm-hmm. so really just, dumping as much sugar as my body will take into myself, um, really partly to get through the workout itself, but also a lot to set myself up better for the next one. Because like for every six hour trainer ride, I'm going to do, I have a three hour run the following day that I need to be ready for. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. Have you had any problems with running durability, like just with your body and, and putting up with that? I know that you started with running here, but it was more just casual. So have you encountered injuries or anything else throughout this process? Yeah, just, just about every year I've gotten injured running. Um, so I wind up starting from step one, uh, which is part of why I feel like I'm not a very good runner. It's just like, I, I haven't really improved over the past several years. I just like keep getting to the same point and then getting some kind of tendonitis in my foot or like, something like that. My knee got messed up this year, but like, that's better now. Like it's nothing that takes me out of the game for more than a month or two, but it's just, uh, it's hard to like work through every year and just like keep going. Um, Mm -hmm. but 
this year I did a lot better durability wise. And one of the big things was looking more at the plan. And instead of saying, all right, let's do high volume, everything let's scale the run back and just like go through the, the train of road plan, copy what the mid volume plan runs are and just like mix that into it instead. And that, that went a really long way, keeping me healthy through pretty much through the end of the year this year. Um, mm. So like try to use the tools available to me to like ramp it a little bit better than I had been. Yeah. Is there, what do you do for PT stretching, anything like that strength training? Uh, one of the other big things this year was foam rolling every night before I go to bed. So like I'll go upstairs at eight 30 or so um, foam roll, do some like foot exercises that I learned the first time I hurt myself and went to PT, um, mm -hmm. do some like band walks to try to get my hips, keep those strong, just because being a very planar athlete, as soon as I'm asked to go sideways, bad things happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like try to stay on top of all of that. And I found that if, as long as I did something about that every night, I stayed healthy. It was just when I slacked off that very quickly went downhill. Yeah. It's, isn't it uh, funny how much maintenance it takes, like consistency with that maintenance, right? Like as soon as you think that, okay, I've done enough of it. I've built up for months now, but still if you drop off, oh yeah, impacts there. Yeah. It's, it's so easy to find excuses not to do that. It's like, oh man, I've already done a four hour workout today. Do I really have to do 10 more minutes of whatever this nonsense is? It's like, mm -hmm. well, yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. To keep it going on, on the bike, uh, we've already covered you, your fueling, uh, you live in suburban Boston area. So in that case, you, pr it's probably tough for you to get to good training roads. I assume you do most of your training inside. Yeah, I do. Uh, nearly all of it is inside. Yeah. I'll go outside for a ride here and there. Usually I'll go for one or two on my dry bike before the first race of the year, just to remember how to reach for a water bottle and do all of those things that might get a little sketchy if you don't remember how to do it. Uh, mm -hmm. but I, it's really just a time efficiency thing too, right? Like if, if you assume a trainer ride is, uh, 1.2 or 1.4 times more efficient than an outdoor ride. Like that's a whole bunch of time I just saved to either cook food for the week or do house maintenance <laughs> that I need to do or anything like that. Um, it'd be really fun to ride outside, but like, I just don't find the, the need to go do that, especially if it's going to take me 40 minutes or an hour just to get to decent roads with lower traffic. Yeah. What do you think that you do? And this is an opportunity, perhaps this puts you in an uncomfortable spot, puts you on the spot, but what do you think that you do extraordinarily well, or just different than other people that gives you an advantage? And this could be about on the bike, run, swim, or even unrelated to those that just makes you perform better as a triathlete. I, I think just the consistency of draining. I, 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 I can't think of very many workouts that I've just skipped because I didn't want to do it. There are a lot of times where I just like, don't want to go do my workout, but I know that in the end, I'm going to be happier that I did. And it's going to benefit me down the road. Um, that separate that though, from if I'm like feeling injured. So like, if I'm feeling things in my feet, knees, ankles, what have you, 
and decide that's a reason to skip a run, I usually think that's the responsible decision because I'd rather take one day than take a month. Mm -hmm. Um, but otherwise I can be very, very consistent. And I, I don't think I've skipped a bike workout almost at all in the past two years. Um, it's impressive. (laughs) Yeah, it's well, so the whole lockdown and quarantine and everything, it did benefit just because there were really no excuses. Like I had nowhere to go and it was an opportunity to just shut work off at the end of the day. So it's like, you could really easily blend your work into the evening and just like keep going. But if I said, all right, five o'clock, I'm going to stop working. I'm going to go downstairs. I'm going to do my bike workout. And if I really feel like I need to go back to work, I'll do that. Um, and a lot of times I, I didn't really need to go back to work. It was just like something more to fill the day. Um, but I also, I had that release of like, I got in my workout. I did a good job today. Even if I like failed the workout, which occasionally happens, like I had some takeaway from it. Like, oh, I, I had poor nutrition today. I slept poorly last night, something like that. You can always figure out why it happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That the consistency thing is interesting because it, it, we've been looking at data recently. And if you look at like how consistent a person is, like what's their least consistent month versus their average consistency. And if there's greater deviation between that number, when an athlete has one month that is, you know, markedly less consistent than another. And then if that happens like over and over, uh, and it doesn't mean that you hold the same training volume. We're just looking at like the number of workouts that you did, if it's similar across the board, right? So you could, that doesn't get harmed by recovery weeks or anything else like that. That's like a key correlating metric with an athlete get like increasing their probability to improve watt KG. So it's, it's that sort of consistency over the long term period that really pays off. That doesn't mean that you, we should be afraid to take an off season. Uh, that's absolutely an important thing to do, but it's all throughout the rest of the year. It's finding those ways to be consistent. Like you said, maybe it's skipping that one workout to not miss a month of workouts to avoid injury. It's prioritizing your day so that you can hit all of your bike workouts. It's making sure that you're fueling adequately so that the next day when you have that big run, you're not in a hole from yesterday's big bike workout. You know, it's, it's all of those things start to add up to life, just feeling normal. And you're able to do this level of consistency. But if you don't do all of those little inputs and try to set yourself up for success, it makes it really tough. And then that's when you stagnate. That's when you don't see the improvements. Yeah. 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 I totally agree with that. That, yeah, that's exactly how I feel. Um, if you also have to plan in some time off, like you can do 365 workouts in 365 days, but you're really not going to want to, like, if you plan in a week off here and there, as long as it's part of the plan and with plan builder and all of the tools available to you through trainer road, like you can stay consistent and like not even lose much fitness in that week off. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. It's and it benefits you in most cases, taking that time off, uh, absolutely benefits. So yeah, super, you, you've personified the data that we're looking at. It's pretty interesting. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm really good at following instructions. Yeah, there we go. What do you do for work by the way, uh, to give us some context there? I'm a mechanical engineer. Uh, I work at a consulting firm in Seaport of Boston. 
Cool. So, and then you're able to work remotely or do you work from an office? Uh, I'm from primarily remote. Um, I'm a mechanical engineer. I'm not sure if I said that, but yep. Yeah. 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 Yes. So being a mechanical engineer, there's often physical parts that I have to go play with or make or do anything like that. So I'll have to go into the office now and then, um, I think for a good six months, I was going in for four days a week about, um, Mm. but then that project ended and it went down to one every other, every three weeks or something. So it's, it's pretty variable. Um, but having the, the anchor point of my workout at the end of the day, like really gives me a reason to make sure to be, uh, efficient for the hours that I'm in the office, just to make sure that I can get home, get on the bike, go for my run, whatever I got to do. Yeah, absolutely. So what's next for you? Uh, I assume you're going to do some racing before Kona next year. Yeah. Uh, still, still trying to figure that out. Um, we're, we're, we're getting married in a month. So I'm trying to Congrats. not, thanks. Uh, <laughs> I'm not really doing a whole lot right now. Just kind of staying relatively in shape and staying sane by doing whatever I can on the bike running so on. Um, and then I think I'll start training mid December. Maybe, um, I, it'll be a lot like my buildup for Wisconsin, like all focuses towards that. And then I'll have a handful of events leading up to it. Um, that, that, uh, local half Ironman that I mentioned before that one I'm going to do next year. I love that race. And it's like a incredible benchmark. Like I have my time for, I think, I think I've done it four times. So like I've seen improvement every single year in that. So I can just like nice finger in the air. How am I doing fitness wise come June? Um, I'll probably do another half in like August or early September and then Kona's in October. Do you have any plans for, uh, getting there early for heat adaptation? I mean, Boston's pretty muggy in the summer, so it's not like you're living at high elevation in a dry, cool climate or something, but still any plans for heat adaptation? Yeah. So I'm planning to go there about two weeks before I think I, well, planning, I already, I already booked a hotel two weeks before, so I'm going to be there from, uh, end of September through, through the race. Um, and then we'll probably take a vacation there just cause like you're in Hawaii. Why not? Yeah, for uh, sure. But yeah, so try to try to do as much working out there as I can, uh, get used to that climate. Um, like Boston, it can be pretty muggy, but in September it usually cools off. So like mm-hmm. heat up, adapt- heat adaptation, like comes and goes so quickly. Like you really need to be doing it up until the day. It seems like. Yeah. So in this case, you'll be tapering in those hot conditions, uh, which means your taper might be even less intense than it typically would be. Right. Um, but that's a good spot to do it because that's a good way to get in, get used to the heat and do so in a way where you aren't trying to hit PRs and push huge numbers. So yeah, Yeah. man, that's exciting. Well, I'm going to be there next year. Uh, and I'm awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I won't miss it. So, um, I'll be there and it'll be fun to, to cheer you on and to, to meet you in person, Matt, it's going to be incredible. So Matt, if athletes want to get in touch with you in any way, uh, is there a way that they can, whether it's on Strava or social media to uh, get in touch with you and maybe ask questions, just chat with you about Kona? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm on Strava, just Matt Nussbaum. I think it's 
public-ish. Um, and then Instagram <laughs> is Matt and us run. Cool. Awesome. We'll link down below to both of those. Uh, and if you have any questions for Matt, you can get in touch with him there. If you're listening to this and you want to share your experience of how trainer road has helped you in this case, Matt increases FTP by 90 Watts, which is crazy, uh, with trainer road, but maybe, maybe even more actually, cause we don't know because before that you had the smart trainer that was measuring differently. So you might be over the 100 watt threshold, which is crazy. Um, but if you want to share your experience, achieving any level of success, doesn't have to be hundred Watts, uh, you can do so go to trainerroadcom slash SAP, just like Matt did. And I would love to hear from you and share your story with our audience. And if you want to get fast, like Matt, of course, go to trainerroad.com, uh, try adaptive training, get faster with it. It's going to be great, Matt. Thanks a bunch. I appreciate it. We'll chat soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Jonathan.